You will be gentle. Pete, can you whack the... Uh, you're going to have to bear with me because um, I'm new to technology. My mobile phone has a 32-metre cord on the end of it. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Why don't I sit down so you can see while they, they play that. Renee said I had to use technology. Um, Joppa. So they went to the other Joppa. While those dudes were walking, Pete fell in a trance. And then he saw heaven open and an object like a sheet bound at the corners and descended to the earth. And in it were the animals looking really yummy. And then a voice said, Peter, put them in your tummy. And Pete was like, no, 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 for I have never eaten anything unclean. And the voice was like, yeah, 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 just do what I said. That's why I'm like a baby. No, 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 yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So shut up. showed up and they're like Pete you should come to Caesarea and hang with this guy named Cornelius so Pete and some guys from Joppa they went with the other guys and when they got to Caesarea Cornelius fell down and worshipped him and Pete was like thanks Corny but no thanks I'm just another apostle I'm no more spiritual than you 
I just wrote part of the Bible. So then they prayed with Cornelius and his household to get saved and speak in other languages because isn't that what shows you're saved? And Peter was fascinated because God loves everyone. Red and yellow, black and blue, we can all have fun. And I know this all seems obvious, but to Peter it broke the rules. So if you hear some complaining, don't be hating on the sure if that's what Renee was talking about. You know, everything we do has, has a reason, has a purpose, has, has an agenda, especially in the work of the kingdom. So, Peter and Cornelius, ah, that's better. What's the Holy Spirit's revelation? You know, we're doing this, this three-stage thing in the, the action series. Is, am I too close to that or am I in front of a fallback or something? What am I doing wrong? Move away? All right, just keep talking. Um, Renee set out a... Um, a pattern, and I, I can't remember it. What is it? Uh, revelation, um, perspiration. What is it? Come on. Um, I should know. It's in my notes. Revelation. Transform. No. Revelation. Consolation. <laughs> consolidation and activation. Okay, got it. So, what's the revelation of the Holy Spirit for us this morning? How does Holy Spirit's agenda relate to, to this house and to, to his vision for this house? Are we here simply because it's Sunday and on Sunday you've got to come and, and sit and, and listen and wait for the preacher to do his thing or her thing because we don't get smoke hotel after the preaching's done? Or are we here because we're looking to the Word of God? and to the Spirit of God to, to infuse us with his Zoe. Um, Zoe is that Greek word, in, in him was life, that's the word Zoe. It means activity and motion. Are we wanting the Holy Spirit to infuse us with his activity, his, his, his motion, his, his life, his kingdom agenda? How does the message of, um, oh, nope. There we go. How does the me I love these things. How does the, the message of, of Acts 10 impact on, on you and on NCF? How does Acts 10 enable us to fulfill the, the, the church's mission? What's the church's mission? 
Oh, what do you know? It's up there. To make disciples, to make a difference here and beyond. By the way, is that the mission statement or the vision statement? Or is it both? It's both. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. How does Acts 10 help us to fulfill that? To make disciples who actually make a difference here and beyond. Cornelius. Well, Cornelius, the scripture says, was a centurion. means he had a hundred blokes serving under him. He was what we'd call a company commander, probably a, a captain. And uh, within today's uh, context, says he's, he was um, of the Italian cohort, of the Italian regiment. He was Roman. He wasn't a, um, an import from one of the conquered nations. He, he's born and bred in Rome. So he's been brought up around the, the, the polytheistic religious traditions of pagan Rome. But for some reason, it appears that in spite of his religious traditions and his upbringing, he's, he's seen something attractive about the worship of Jehovah. And on top of that, he's also heard about the ministry of Jesus. That comes out in the passage later on as, as Peter's preaching. And, you know, Caesarea, where, where he's living, it's only 30, 40, 50k south of, of where Jesus' ministry was centered in Galilee. So Jesus' ministry was, was so earth-shattering that everyone in the region would have heard about it. So the Holy Spirit, he's been um, drawing this man to Christ, but for some reason... Corny hadn't yet responded to the gospel. So there he is, he's fasting and praying. It's about three in the afternoon and he gets an angelic visitation. And the angel says to him, send for Peter. So the next day, Peter, he's, he's at um, Simon the Tanner's house. Peter's up on the roof. He's not painting, he's actually praying. It's about lunchtime and he gets the munchies. So while Peter is, is, is feeling hungry, and his, his hosts are downstairs and they're firing up the barbie, getting the meal ready. All of a sudden, Peter gets this technicolor vision. You know it's really important when your visions are in technicolor. And he gets this technicolor vision and the Lord says to him, um, well, no, God doesn't actually say anything. He sees this thumping great sheet being lowered down to heaven, from heaven to earth. And in, in, as, the, as the corners are open inside the sheet, uh, unclean animals and creepy crawlies and, and birds and all kinds of stuff, just the sort of stuff that any good Jewish lad doesn't eat. Well, he's not, not supposed to eat. Then the Lord speaks to him and he says, Peter, get up, butcher the contents of the sheet and eat it. That's the contents, not the sheet. You want to eat the sheet. Anyway, rise, kill and eat. And God's got to say it three times. And finally the sheet goes back up to heaven. You know, Peter doesn't want a bar of this. He's been brought up to be a good Jewish boy. Every person has one thing in common. We all have our prejudice. Who teaches English here? Anyone? Any English teachers? Anyone doing higher echelon English at school or tertiary level? I left school when I was 15, so 
I was away the, the week. Prejudices doesn't sound right. It should be prejudi, 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 prejudux, or something like that. Prejudices. We all have our, our prejudices. Some of us nurture bigotry against people of a different race or color or, or nationality or culture. But that, that's the obvious stuff. But it's the other type of prejudice that, that's the sneaky stuff. Um, it's more subtle. You know, we're coming up to state and federal elections, whoopee. Um, you watch for political prejudice. Uh, not that Australians have political prejudice. You watch it starting to come out. There's political prejudice, prejudice, economic prejudice, marital prejudice, religious prejudice. Who's got a tattoo? <laughs> Who wants a tattoo? Okay, I hate tattoos. That's my prejudice. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I've got to tell you this. Years ago, yeah, I can tell you this. Years ago, we're in Invercargill. I'm called down to the hospital. Come back about, I don't know, midnight or so. On the way, I stopped to get some fuel. And I fuel up, and while I'm paying the bill, they had this little thing on the counter with, what is it, transfer tattoos. And I don't know what it said, mother or... Or, or Samantha or something, and I thought, <laughs> and I bought one, whacked it on there. I go home, Jane's sound asleep, I get in my jammers, come around and I put the light on the bed and I said, honey, I've got something to confess. And because one thing I learned very early in my married life is don't wake her up. And <laughs> Jane sort of says, what is it? And I held my wrist up. Two things happened. Number one, I understood that I will never, ever get a real tattoo. And uh, number two was, um, don't wake her up to tell you I've got one. Um, usually, our, our prejudice surfaces and, or manifests in some form of criticism or judgment or bias or, or condemnation. And the Lord rebukes Peter, and he tells him, what God has cleansed, you can never again call common. Regardless of how it appears to us, God's giving Peter a revelation that when Jesus gave the disciples that great commission, go into the entire world and preach the gospel make disciples of all nations. He was talking about every young person and man and woman on the face of the earth. He wasn't just talking about the Jews. Because till now, the disciples hadn't really tweaked as to what the Great Commission was all about. They didn't really tweak to what Jesus really meant, what he told them. So Pete, he, he rocks up to Cornelius' house and, and um, Cornelius is there, his household, Cornelius is invited his mates along. So they're all gathered there. And um, Peter begins to preach the gospel. As he's preaching, two things happen. Oh, a lot of things happen. The first thing is, those who are listening and hear the gospel receive the gospel. They believe. Second thing is, oh, how do you know that? Because of the second thing that happens. And that is, all of a sudden, everyone in the place except Peter and, um, and his six mates that have come with him, they all start 
speaking in other tongues and magnifying and worshiping God. And hang on. No one's put their hand up in response to, to an appeal for salvation. You read the text. Peter's still in the middle of his sermon. He never got to finish it. Would have loved, it's actually a good sermon. Would have loved to have known how he was going to end it. Never find that out. Anyway, Peter hasn't made an altar call. No one's prayed the sinner's prayer. Hang on, there's been no decision cards filled out. How could they possibly be saved and receive the Holy Ghost? Last, uh, last May, my aged 99-year-old mother-in-law, we celebrated her 99th birthday a, a month ago this week, um, she um, had consistently and forthrightly rejected any and all attempts by our family and our Christian friends to, uh, to come to Christ. And Jane sees her every day in the retirement village and she turned up this afternoon and just out of, well actually it's not out of the blue Holy Ghost has been working on it for the last 80 something years but out of the blue Margaret my, my mother-in-law says to Jane honey how, how can I become a Christian and um, I'm not there I'm, I'm in Dubbo I'm attending a, a bun fight for a couple of days and um, I get, get back to my room about 9 o'clock at night Jane rings me tells me what's happened and says um, what her mum said and says ask me for my opinion don't get that very often so um, I um, I said look when you go back tomorrow grab one of the, the usually we carry a contemporary English version Bible in the vehicle they're, they're actually police Bibles great when you get pulled over and breathed after they've done all this stuff you can hand them a, a bible it's really good anyway um i said use the cev contemporary english version and read her romans 10 9 and 10 specifically romans 10 yeah great great verse this paul says if you openly declare that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Actually, it's not the CV, that's the living new. That's what you use here, isn't it? Living new? You don't know. Anyway, okay, I was trying to be decent in order. I love the King James or the New King James. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. After you stick your hand up and go out and fill out the decision cards and pray the sinner's prayer. It doesn't say that. But we superimpose that often on people. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Nothing wrong with people doing that. But God makes it a lot easier for people than we do. So Jane does that. And um, took about a, a month of just consistently talking about it. And Jane spoke many times to her. And I went and saw her a few times about it. And I think our daughter did. And about a month or so later, that 99-year-old woman sat in a wheelchair in the front of the assembled congregation 
as I led her in a confession of Christ. 99. Wow, I'm looking for the next 100-year-old. You know, some people expressed surprise and, and doubt at Margaret's change of heart because it didn't fit with, with her previous attitude. And I mean attitude. <laughs> didn't fit with it. And it didn't fit with, with their, their prejudice. However, I have every confidence that one day real soon, my lovely mother-in-law is going to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy set before you. When Cornelius' household began to speak in tongues and worship God, the, uh, the six Jewish Christians, the believers that were with Peter, it says they were astonished. Another translation said they were amazed. The, week, the, the word there in the Greek is the word um, existemi. It's, it's where we get our English word existential from. And in this case, it means that the believers were simply beside themselves with amazement. I mean, they couldn't believe what God was doing. It was outside their understanding and their prejudice. Peter was just beginning to understand as God consolidated in his previous revelation of who Jesus died for. You know, most of us can quote John 3.16. I hope you can. If you can't, then you can memorize it. Go home and memorize it. Easy. Put your iPhone down instead of Facebooking or you, you, you booking you scrolling or whatever. Get a Bible app that, that has the Bible on it and learn some verses. Most of us can quote John 3.16. But sometimes... Our prejudice impedes our understanding of what it means where it says, for God so loved the world. What it really means. You know, sometimes we suffer from spiritual myopia, spiritual short-sightedness. All we know is me, mine, us and ours, bless us for no more, Acts 2.4. This joke. The disciples have been given the Great Commission but most of them had, had failed to, to understand and comprehend what Jesus had commissioned them to become and to accomplish. I've got to hurry. Sure, they were, they were keen to preach to the Jews. That means absolutely nothing, by the way. They, they were called to, to minister to the Jews. They were keen to minister to the Jews. But it took this encounter with Peter and Cornelius to consolidate the revelation they'd all received. And now... At Cornelius' home, the Holy Ghost is, is moving Peter from, uh, from revelation through to consolidation and, and getting it home to him finally in activation. A couple of uh, Wednesday nights ago, Dave McDonald was here. Leaders Connect, is that what you call it? Yeah, at Leaders Connect. And um, he said a couple of things that sort of sent me off on a tangent. I go off on tangents easy. And he said this, and it's a great statement. He said, we don't often see the credibility of the kingdom demonstrated in the church. Who remembers him saying that? One of us, okay, two of us, okay. Well, we need to look at that and, and, and understand what he was saying to us. We don't often see the credibility of the kingdom of God demonstrated in the church.
That's another sermon. Then he went on to ask, how do we activate the charismata? How do we activate the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? How do you do that? All nine of them. Not just, oh, I've got tongues, I've got prophecy, I've got wisdom. You've got the lot. You've just got to learn how to use it. Tongues, prophecy, interpretation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, word of faith, word of, uh, um, gift of miracles, gifts of healing, discernment of spirits. It's all there for each of us. We've got, just got to activate it and learn to use it. You know, he, he gave us a hint how to do it when he spoke about repentance. When we, we hear the word repentance, we, we think of turning from sin and um, turning from the bad stuff. But the word repent in both the Old Testament and the New Testament means to have a change of mind or a change of heart. We need to change our minds and our hearts if we're going to see the credibility of the kingdom demonstrated in the church and in this house. We need to, to seek God's presence in our lives so that his will and his kingdom will be manifested in our living. Peter had to change his, his mind and his heart about ministering to, to Cornelius, a non-Jew. Cornelius and his household and his mates, they had to change their hearts and minds about how you access God. The apostles of Jerusalem had to change their mind and their hearts about the Gentiles receiving the gospel. And the church, well, she had to change her, her heart and mind about what the Great Commission really is. Excuse me. The last two Sundays in February, I wasn't here. Jane was. But um, I had a prior commitment to, to minister in, in Coonabarabran. And the first Sunday back, or the Saturday night before, before the first Sunday back here, I said to Jane, honey, I'm excited about going to church. It's a bit of a revelation. And Jane said, well, I am too. Church, I haven't been excited about going to church for about 20 years. Now, that's not meant to be a reflection on anywhere else. If anything, it's a reflection on me. So why am I excited about being here? Well, firstly, I get to have the microphone. But the answer is, actually, there's a lot of answers, but the, the, the primary answer is qu quite simple. It's the presence of God. It's simply God's presence, and that's what I've been missing. Now, what's that got to do with you guys? Well, permit me to encourage you. Those of us who have been married for a while know that after a little while, um, a bit of a cloud can, can settle on your, your marriage because you become so accustomed to your spouse that a staleness creeps in. And you can begin to take your spouse for granted. And that's part of what Jesus is talking about in Revelation 2.4. You know, it's the, the seven letters to the seven churches. And he says to the Ephesian church, This I have against you, you've lost your first love. Now he says some great things about the Ephesian church in that letter. But he caps it with that. You've lost your first love. Our action series from the book of Acts has that three-dimensional agenda of revelation, consolidation, and activation. Now, if the agenda of Acts 10 is 
to reveal to us our prejudice. And if prejudice is prejudging based on our past experience, and if our past experience of church has caused us to have a mindset that results in us excluding the presence of God, and if the Holy Ghost wants to further consolidate the revelation of us needing his presence, how do we activate this consolidated revelation? Not yet, but soon I'll talk about King David. I'm going to talk about him now, but not quite yet. I'll give you a wink and a nod and a... Okay. The last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying and reading about David. He's an amazing guy. He's the only archetype of Christ, the prophet, priest, king in, in the Old Testament. He was a, a gifted poet. He was a talented musician. He was a, a, a mighty warrior that never lost a fight. His, his fame is... As, as a, his fighting ability was famous throughout the nation. They sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. He was a skillful administrator, wise ruler, shrewd diplomat. He had more money than you could poke a stick at and more women chasing him than any sane bloke would want to know about. He could have had anything he wanted. It was a really interesting section in the 27th Psalm and he says this um, 27.4 I think it is he says one, there's one thing, one thing just one thing that I've desired of the Lord and that one thing I'm going to go for it I'm going to seek after it, what is it? that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Why? Because in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle. He's going to hide me. He's going to set my feet high upon a rock. When David wrote that, there was no temple. There was no tabernacle. The, the, um, the Ark of the Covenant was either sitting in a bloke, um, Obed-Eden, I think Obed-Eden's front bedroom, where it, 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 it sat for 40 years because the Philistines had to get rid of it. They couldn't stand God's presence. So Obed-Eden ends up waxing in the front shed. So it's either there or it's in Jerusalem under a tarp that David had set up. Not a tarp. It wasn't a tarp. It was a little tent. It was a tarp because he wasn't allowed to build the temple. Solomon did that. So it's, it's either in Obed-Eden's backyard or it's in, the, 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 in Jerusalem under a tarp. There was no, no temple. There was no building. There was no worship center. Yet David uses four words to describe where he wants to be. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord to inquire in his temple. He shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle. Four times he talks about a structure. He wasn't talking about a building. He was simply talking about the manifest presence of God. And that's wherever God, God dwell, chooses to dwell and be. One thing he wanted more than anything else was God's presence. That's why God says of him, David's a man after my own heart. More than anything else, he wanted God's presence. David was in love with God. He was in love with him. You guys aren't going to be in love with me. Um, 
That's part one. <laughs> Do you know, we can come to all the meetings on offer. The question is why? Why are you here this morning? Are you here because you like the people? I can understand that. Are you here because maybe you feel it's your duty or maybe you don't want to let someone down? We all have prejudice regarding church. We prejudge church based on our past experiences. Church, we need to repent. We need to change our minds and change our hearts. We need to build a habit in our lives where we come to the house of the Lord simply to meet with God in his presence. And anything else, anything else is, is, is simply a bonus. Oh, that we can have the heart cry of David. Not nudge, wink. Uh, that we can, sorry, I don't know how to do this. That we get the same heart cry of David. Just one thing that I desire of the Lord. That I can dwell in his house all the days of my life. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ray. I don't know about you, but I... Thanks, Because it is all about me. I feel incredibly, and this is, may well surprise you, surprises me, I feel incredibly spiritual. <laughs> and the reason I feel incredibly spiritual is because this morning... Now, <coughs> it's a very, very sad little anecdote. But this morning, for some reason, I was thinking of a book that I'd read by a guy I knew whose name was Tim, which didn't narrow it down. And it, it's just, it was a very well-written book about Christianity. And I'm lying there for reasons that I couldn't think of at about 6 o'clock this morning, which is far earlier than I think God's up. And I'm sitting there going, that book was about Christianity. What was it? I, have no, I haven't thought about this for months. By this guy called Tim. I thought, Tim, who the... Tim, who... And, and then I was starting to get worried because I'm thinking, oh, now I'm getting old and I can't remember names and it's only just a short step till I'm a drooling imbecile and a vegetable in, a, in an old person's home and I, I'm sure my kids have already got me booked in. And I just couldn't think of who this guy was. And so I did what any sane person would do. I sort of got up and I Googled it. But of course, I'm going, reasons for God, Tim, is what I Googled. But it came up eventually, Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller is a... Presbyterian minister in Manhattan in New York and I went yeah that's the guy and the first thing was this, this little interview that I saw like, oh yeah and I, so I thought I want to feel a little bit more spiritual because I, you know, I was terrified about standing with the guitar singing and you're probably wishing that I was doing more than that and less talking but anyway and I started to watch this interview with him and it was fascinating because it was so much in tune with what Ray spoke about this morning and so I feel incredibly spiritual because one of the things that Timothy Keller said that really got me thinking and got me reflecting about NCF, about Narrabri, was the, the interviewer asked him and said to him, look, you've got this incredibly successful Presbyterian church in New York and you, you build it. You know, that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that you've got in New York this incredibly secular area of, of the United States. You know, in the Bible Belt it makes sense, but not in New York. And he said this, he said, look, he said, the thing with Christianity is that it translates better than any other, any other religion. He said, you look at, look at the world. And he said, look at where the Hindus are. The Hindus are where they've always been, in India. He said, the Buddhists 
are basically where they've always been or they've grown up into it. And he said, the Muslims are the same. He said, but Christianity, Christianity moved from the Middle East to Europe. And it's moved, it's, it's huge in, in Latin America, in, in North America, and in Africa. There's more Presbyterians in Nigeria, apparently, than there are in Scotland where Presbyterians came from. He said, the challenge with Christianity is you've just got to work out how to make it fit for the area that you're in. It'll do it. He said, the message is the same. The, message, the fundamentals are the same. You've just got to work out how to make it fit. And I found myself really getting challenged by how do I more successfully do my bit to make the message of Christianity fit in Narrabri? And you know, so much of what Ray was talking about was that, you know, what prejudices do I have that is stopping God's spirit moving among Narrabri? Now we're going to finish with a song at last you say, so let's all stand and raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. Now I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah and I watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear is lost to hold on me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, gonna hear my praises roar. Hope will arise, death is defeated, the king is alive. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. I sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. I sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me. I sing a little louder. Press up and be. I sing a little louder. Louder 
you walk beside us and we thank you that you do that now we pray that you'll open up our eyes to how we can better get rid of our prejudices and connect with the people of Narrabri and make disciples father thank you for all this and pray for morning tea now in Jesus name amen devil wants us to go through a door that will lead to us being stolen from and killed and ultimately destroyed. So we figure out, okay, so there's doors that lead to life, doors that lead to death. Got it. But how do I quit going through the wrong door? How do we get out of our own way? Well, the answer is for me, I've decided to declare war and I invite you to join me. There's power in saying it. So throughout this sessions, we're gonna be talking about words, thoughts, and actions. But we're not just gonna end there. We must ultimately rely on God's power in us to give us strength, to tell us who we are, and to really supply and supercharge our efforts to do all that we've been called to do. We want power from above. And he's the one who's gonna help us not be victims. He's gonna help us rise up as victors.
Jesus died.